This is the recording of the speech on Shabbos Day, Parashas Yisrael, Shabbos. As we have since October 7th, we've been discussing the Matzah of Neretz Yisrael on Friday night, Lara Alacha, Shabbos Day, more in relation to Mashav, Adrash, and Agada. The hope is that by constantly iterating and reiterating, despite being attenuated in terms of time and space, that we nevertheless feel Achenu B'nei Yisrael, and by dominating for them, we are, we are going to be the Shalom Parim and hopefully enable them to have a schus, to be able to have again peace and Eretz Yisrael and the return of all the hostages. As many of you know, I've been off the news now for a couple of months, and I really haven't uh, deviated at all. Uh, fundamentally, um, the reason I have to do with a certain despondency after reading about an Israeli Supreme Court decision. I'm not getting into any of that now, but certain news trickles through. In this case, the news item I'm about to mention trickled through in a few different ways. And this was the ICJ's ruling against the state of Israel's uh, prosecution of the war in Gaza. They felt that there was a lack of humanitarian aid they felt that the political rhetoric of comparing the people of Gaza to Amalek was incorrect. The fact that the court was able to make a record decision in such a quick time after hearing some arguments is the greatest testimony to the falsity of the court's judgment. But this is not really my point for now. My point for now was that I heard about this myself, the ICJ's ruling from my wife trickled into me. However, I also got a text from a friend, and this friend used to work for the United Nations. He doesn't work there anymore, and now what he does is he um, effectively represents the First Nations, the indigenous people in Canada, in terms of various lawsuits that they want to bring against this, the country of Canada. So he helps them bring all these kinds of lawsuits, lawsuits against Canada. This is his uh, business. He texted me, what a spanking Israel got at the ICJ. Again, I haven't read the news. I haven't read the, the decision. I know nothing. But if he is so excited, if he was so happy that the decision of the International Court of Justice was, must not have been a great decision for the Jewish people, must not have been a great decision for the state of Israel. So... What I would like to talk about today was my feeling when I heard this. My feeling was, how could it be when Israel is fighting a war with two hands tied behind its back to not hurt civilians as much as they can avoid it, that this court cannot see it? How can they not see that this is the most moral army in the world? How can they not see that saying that the people of Gaza, the quote-unquote civilians of Gaza, are Amalek? How does that equate to genocide? Where is the connection in terms of the actions of what Israel is doing? This, to me, rankled. But again, the most fundamental question is how do they not see the incredibleness, the wonderful nation of Israel as to its one amazing, miraculous abilities to create a state amidst the sea of these hostile countries, 
how do they not see that the, they are in Orla Goyim, that they are just an absolute beacon for other societies who want to be more free around the world? So I'd like to answer that question by going to our Sedra. We make sure to try to have the segues not be too tenuous. We know in Pajas Yisroi, and of course Yisroi, Rashi tells us his name was Yeser, but he got the extra vav added because when he became a Ger, the practice was that they added a name, they changed a letter, whatever. The Ramban says the same in Bamid, but Ramban says that when somebody is a Ger, they take on a new identity, a new identification, a new name. So Yisroi was really Yeser. He added a vav when he became Jewish, when he converted. And he's called Choyva because he's a of the mitzvahs. Rashi goes all the way on this because Rashi tells us that when he, the Pasuk tells us in the end of the Maisa with the Yisrael, Rashi says that the, to explain the Pasuk, Mechilta, that Vaishach Maisa said to him, when he goes to his own land, he goes to his own hometown, says Rashi, wants to go convert his family. Rashi says, the guy of the name is that's why he went home. Now, it is clear that certainly Yisrael appreciated their Bani Shalom. Remember, Yisrael appreciated a lot of things. You know, he, was a, he was a big Getschka worshiper. He knew a lot of different approaches to serve God. And Yisrael, according to the way Rashi is learning, effectively came with Sipira uh, and the children to convert. And after the conversion, he goes home in order to convert the rest of his family. The problem is, we know that Yisroi, we heard about him in three places. So we hear about him in Shemais, we hear about him in, in our Pasha, in Pasha Yisroi, and we hear about him again in Baal And the question is, Yisroi seems to be with the Jewish people two times, two intervals, as Ramban wants to say. The Radak disagrees. The Radak uh, says, you can find the Radak in the beginning of Shoftim. The Radak suggests that the Baal episode with, with, with Yisroi is, in fact, a reworking of the same episode here in Parshish Yisroi. It's the same story that's being repeated in a different way over there. Why? And we get discussed. But it's the same myself. I have reason to believe, I believe it's the same mindset as well. I think there are other examples in that parasha that have similar, but it's a topic that I have for right now. In any event, this is the sheet of Rashi. The problem is, for Rashi, is that why is Yisrael back in Baal and he's going back home again? Over there, Maishra Ben is asking him to stay, and he says, no, I got to go back. Rashi says, either from Chassim or from Rishpach, he had to go back. That is, according to the Shita of Rashi, Yisrael is a gear. He converts his family. Why does he not stay with the Jewish people? Because he has to go back for whatever sundry reasons he has to go back. I would like to suggest you a different approach. This approach, I, I will grant you, is, is definitely not with Rashi. It's Chaylik on Rashi. But I think I have some riots that perhaps 
explain that this approach has some validity, which is like this. Yisroi was an inveterate searcher. What is an inveterate searcher? I mean, somebody who's a perpetual searcher. He's always looking. He's always He's always looking. Never stops looking. How do I know Yisroi continues on looking? Well, first of all, how do we know that he looked the whole time? We know the Apostle tells us, after you're dancing, you go to Hashem, you call him. Rashi says he, he went after all the different pantheon of God's he checked everything out in the world. So that's why he can say with confidence, he knows all the other guys. He's tried them all. But it seems that Yisra's family was searchers too. They never took on permanence later on. Hear me, we're going about the Navi. Hear me telling the Jewish people that they should be like the family of Yudin and Ben Rechav. The family, they stayed like Bedouins. They lived in tents. They wouldn't live in homes. Yeah. And it sounds like an absurd command, but they kept the command. And the time was on the Jewish people that Hashem is giving you commandments and you ignore the commandments, whereas these are named commandments from the, some patriarch they keep to like mamish for such fidelity. That is to say that the family of Yisrael remained living in a sort of impermanent way, not an entirely a settled way, because they were always on the move. They were always searching. They were always not willing to just settle down. But there was another great searcher. His name was Avram Avinu. And Avram Avinu eventually did settle down. How did Avram Avinu find God? The Medrashim tell us that Avram Avinu was also an inveterate searcher. He tried all the different geshkas in the, in the Tatas Geshef. They sold all the idols. And what did he find out? He found out that none of the idols there was the gods. And then he went out to bigger gods, the sun, the moon, the wind, the stars, all the things that he went through before he, he came up with the Akim's razor, right? Before he said, oh, the Rebbe must not have any mamoshes, must not be a material god. By the way, just as an aside, you know, when a, when a boy is going to get fahered by a prospective father-in-law, right? If a guy asks a question, he doesn't know the answer. He says, that's a machlegas, right? That usually get away with that. If you ever want to ask somebody a question, both to keep a conversation going and also to throw them off a little bit, and when they say something, you say, well, why do you think, and then repeat them what they say. Just say, why? Why causes people, forces people to think? People don't like to think. But why does that to a person? Why forces a person to think a little bit? So Avram Avinu eventually comes up with the Ebishter, and Hashem tells them, and he leaves his family, leaves everything behind. And he stops searching for the Rebbein and sticks with the Rebbein and builds a life on the basis of the prophecy of What we're seeing, I believe, is an apposition. The Torah is, as it were, Contrasting Avram to Yisrael, both seasoned searchers. But in the end, Avram Avinu finds what he's looking for and he sticks with it, whereas Yisrael does not. <coughs> What's Meriah? That Yisrael is being compared to Avram Avinu? Because if you look the Empire of Baloisla at this journey that he has into the, to the Jewish people, Yisrael says, I'm going back to my family. 
juxtapose lechelcha me'atzcha me'atzcha ve'sevicha to kill atzim v'malatzim elich. Yisro says, "I'm going back home." I believe the Torah is being meramis over here that there is a two different, two diametrically opposed searchers in the way they dealt with things when they found the truth. Avram dropped everything and he went with the Eveshtalein. He left the family, he left the birthplace, he left it all behind. And Yisrael did not. Yisrael would not leave it behind. Even though now he said, God is not the only God. There's still other Elohim. I am going back. And more than that, Meshach Abedin was beseeching Yisrael. Meshach Abedin is a good son-in-law. I'm not going to say anything for any of the fathers that are, but if you think about it, Meshach Abedin is a really good son-in-law. Not only, not only was he willing to take it in this week's Sajjah, his father's advice, right, in the next morning that he got, he didn't even wait a week. He, the next morning that he got there, he tells you, you know what you're doing? You got to change the system. You got a bad court system. He didn't wait a minute. Not only didn't, didn't measure and take the advice, but Malaysia, he asks Yisrael to be the Aida. He asks him to be which means like, you know, to be like a leader. And was Yisrael willing to be a leader? No. Yisrael says, no. And I want to point out that that's not all that he says. Yisrael responds back to Meshur Abenu. Who's telling them, stay with us? Yisrael responds by saying, I'm not going. I'm going back to my birthplace. I'm going back to my my um I'm going back to my land, to my birthplace. That is to say. Yisroi, he's not going. Meshavin is begging to go. He's getting a job. He's saying how important he's going to be. Yisroi is not going. He's going back to his family. He's not abandoning it once he found the truth. He's going back to right to where he started. And I believe that this shows us that Yisroi was not, whether he's been guided technically or not, I don't know, but was certainly not long in the two type of agares. That is, he did not ultimately choose to be with the Bnei Yisrael. He ultimately chose to leave, to not become a part of the Jewish story. And for me, this is what the Torah is hinting to by saying, to saying, but the crux of this idea is predicated on the notion of Yisrael saying, Loi Eilech, I'm not going. Strong, I'm not going with you. Despite Moshe Rabbeinu's promising of all the great gigs that he would give him. The truth is that I can perhaps best explain the next part with a vart, a story, a maisa, with a chasam sefer. It's a good Maisa. I think it might even be true because it doesn't have no mysticism or heebie-jeebie stuff. It's just a, a clever story. 
At that time, Czechoslovakia is under the Austro-Hungarian Empire, and some guy got found by the crown as, as being liable for something, and he was given a death penalty. They asked the Samsevitan to sit on his behalf, and he was very well respected, and he got this person who was on death row, he got him, you know, out of jail. And the person eventually gets a letter from the Samsevitan, and he opens the letter, and there's nothing in there, and he's trying to figure out what, what was sent in the letter. He sees a few pebbles, he doesn't understand what's going on. So he comes to Chassam Sefer and says, I don't understand what's going on. Why are you sending me a letter with some pebbles? Says Chassam Sefer, he says, look, I saved your life. And the reality is when you save someone's life, very difficult to repay. But humans, they're raised well, they want to repay. But you can't repay. I gave you a life. How are you going to give, what are you going to do for me? You can never reciprocate. There's no reciprocity on such a level of chesed. So, the the uh, the Sefer says, but since you're raised well, you're a human being. You wanna you wanna repay, but you really won't be able to repay. You'll do what the human beings do in such a situation. What do they do? They stop. They stop. Human beings will stop thinking that they owe a big favor, and they'll start denying the favor that there was. And eventually, they'll end up hating the person. Because they just can't bear the fact that they're walking around this debt that they can never repay. So the only way, the best way to deal with it is by denying that there is any debt at all. By denying the chesed. Says the chesed, sorry if I sent you the package, because when you're going to come to hate me, I'm saying don't throw big rocks, just throw the little pebbles. The reality is, Yisra came this close. Whether he came before Mantar, after Mantar, that doesn't make a difference. Yisrael came very close. He's with Meshach, he's like the most rarefied, Kaddishtig atmosphere. If ever in the Jewish people, Yisrael is right there. And Yisrael wasn't so. Loy Eilech. And you'll then have your precautions. Because when you want, when you appreciate something, but you refuse to change your life because of it, you know what ends up happening? You end up denying that what you thought was special was really that special. And what happened over here, I'm going to argue, is that Israel comes back after not going with Meshur Abenu. And in effect, then there is a denouement within the family of Yisrael. Look in Parshas Balak, you'll see. He sees the family of, of Cain, the family of Yisrael. And the positive before was, he saw Amalek. Why did Amalek and the Cain come right after each other? The argument to you, it's on the basis of Pasuk in the beginning of, of Shmuel, where Shmuel had to go fight Amalek. I'm sorry, where Shmuel commanded Shaul to go fight Amalek. And before Shaul goes to fight Amalek, he sends a message to the Kaini, who are living in with Amalek. And he says, listen, you guys got to leave. Why? Right, you got to get stuck with him and what's going to about to happen, what's about to unfold. However, however, 
The reality is, you did a tremendous chassid with the Jewish people. What's a chassid? That the Kenny did something the Yisra, the chassid, the chassid by, by acknowledging the Ebishtar, by setting up the court system, or who knows, whatever the chassid was. Perhaps we can suggest that the reason that the Amalekim are living in fraternity, in fraternity with the children of Yisra, is because when Yisrael went and no longer was willing to change his life for this truth, but he knew it was true, so you end up having to deny, and you end up becoming a friend of Amalek. And perhaps this would explain in Asadra, in Pashas Yisrael, what did it follow? It follows Amalek. We don't feel it because it's a different week. But look in the parasha. You'll see Right before the beginning of this set is the mice of the Amalek. Yisrael and Amalek go hand in hand. The reality is that we have it every day. We have it every day for a chelik and terror. No, some lonas we want to understand HaKadosh Baruch Hu's We want to be able to be having better Shemir HaMitzvahs. The reality is that if we love it, if we renew our excitement about Torah and Mitzvahs, it will be hard for an ICJ or a regular way anti-Semite not to be impressed, not to be enthralled, not to be blown away. We should be Zecha. Bezat Hashem, in very short order, to be able to spend the time to figure out what is the part of Torah that we love, what is the part of Torah that we enjoy, and to spend that time having fun, enjoying the Torah. Tamaruki Tev Hashem. Taste it, taste the beauty of the Torah. The more we taste it, the more we are excited about it, the more the world won't forget, and the more they will be appreciative of our efforts to wage the most moral war that has ever been waged before. Good